Hello, friend, and welcome to the Rise Collective podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Jordan, and I'm honored to facilitate a place to gather and hear stories and teachings from our relations. Thank you for being here. If you find value in these episodes, you can become a patron and get exclusive bonus content at patreon.com slash risecollective. Before we begin, let's call in our benevolent guides. We humbly give thanks for your assistance and support today. May our listeners hear what they need to hear in service of their highest good. And so it is. Hey there, you are listening to episode 8 of the Rise Collective podcast. Today I'm sharing my interview with Julie Foster. She is a remarkable woman. She's a nurse practitioner who owns an amazing healing clinic in Portland, Oregon. We know each other through our ceremony community. She's a close friend of mine and client of mine. And I felt called to interview her because she is, she has such an interesting and unique perspective when it comes to the medical model that she is, she's really doing things differently with her clinic. So I wanted you to hear how that is for her and her community, what she's bringing to the community, and also how she brings her spiritual Um, understandings and her spiritual wisdom and her whole self to her work as a nurse practitioner. I also want to let you know that I have a brand new Patreon page where you can contribute to the production of the show. I'm going to be a new mom soon and I need help generating the money, the time, and the energy that it takes to produce weekly content for the Rise Collective podcast and the website. Every bit helps, and I want you to know that we're doing this together. We're creating this body of work together. Each month we have a new giveaway, and we have usually two bonus um, pieces of content, whether they are um, exclusive podcast episodes or bonus um, blog articles. The Patreon giveaway for this month is going to be a sole mission worksheet. So I'm providing some ways that you can rediscover or remember your mission because we know that every soul has come here on a mission. Um, We chose our parents, we choose our circumstances, we choose where we're born, and we all have a reason for coming to this earth to seek the next evolution of the soul. This bonus is to help you move toward that end because sometimes we get sidetracked in this world with all of the distractions and all of the things that happen in our lives. You can access this bonus at the $3 a month level. Okay, back to the show. We're going to talk about Julie's professional background, her spiritual background. I just can't wait to share this with this wisdom with you. She's a very wise woman and let's just get on with the show. Enjoy. Julie Foster, nurse practitioner, is the medical director and owner of the Pohala Clinic, which is an integrated family medicine clinic in Portland, Oregon, which bridges mainstream medicine to anthroposophic naturopathy and indigenous wisdom. Julie believes in courting the sacred for one's daily life, no matter the concern or the manifestation. She presences herself with her patients to discover what is essential for healing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Julie. You're welcome. Just knowing about your work, I feel really inspired by how you are bringing the indigenous wisdom and these integrated um, medicine practices into a clinical setting, into a healthcare system, which is broken as many of us see it and you're really thinking about it in a new way. Um, So I wanted to interview you about your work in the world and and how you're you're building a new possibility for how nurse practitioners and, and doctors work in a clinical setting. 
Sure. Yeah. So yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about um, about your work and how you work with your clients in the Pohala Clinic? Sure. Um, like you said, I, I have for about eleven years. I've worked as an integrative uh, nurse practitioner. Uh, Bring, bridging mainstream medicine to these other ways of being, which are original, like through naturopathy, anthroposophic medicine, I'm bird certified in that, and my um, experiences around indigenous wisdom throughout many years. I think it's essential for our times to really look at this with people, and even, like I said, from a day-to-day point of view. So when I meet people, um, I want to know how they're connected and... Um, and how we can work together uh, to, I guess, maximize and optimize their health. Uh, That's just it in a nutshell, but it's much bigger than that. (laughs) Um, I think at a certain point in my work, I thought to bow out of the known healthcare system, yet I found that it would not allow accessibility for a variety of people to see me. So I do work within the quote-unquote system, but not what I call the quote-unquote machine of what mainstream medicine is. So or what it has become. And so uh, is that somewhat of what you want to hear about? And I, you know, this this is where my vision has come through, and it's been an impulse for quite a long time in me, not to recognize what, it's not what people are lacking, but what they could have more of and what they know of themselves, especially when you're very vulnerable when you're, when you're um, putting yourself in position with someone who's going to, you know, look at you medically or spiritually or your mental health or what have you. So um, I I believe, too, that, you know, the system is becoming more and more materialistic and controlling over us as providers and that we're not allowed to be free in our approach to healing. So my aim is to maintain, a, like, a sense of humanity in the model of care I've created. And so maybe at the physical level I see less patients per day which allows for more in-depth time with the ones that I do see and that I develop a relationship with them is essential. It's not just episodic, um, and I help them create a team of healers and so the individual can navigate their lives with more ease, but more so than dis-ease, no matter what they face. So um, my vision for healing, in part, is to help people know that my clinic is like a place of refuge or a place of healing is what Pohala means, but really in working to know oneself and that we can find that place of refuge within ourselves, not so much as a destination, although that's where we're at here in a location, that people can free to expose, um, explore their health and um, find meaning and understanding no matter what they're facing in the world. So as a medical provider, I walk with them on this journey. I don't pretend to be the one that does it for them, but that I'm on my own health journey too and that we're together, and I utilize, um, you know, my doorway in. I was an ER nurse first, and then I was really interested in integrative medicine, so um, I found my way to anthroposophic medicine, um, which is a more holistic and human-centered approach to medicine. Um, Yeah, can you explain a little bit more about the anthroposophic medicine um, for those who don't know? What that is? It, sure. It seems really. <laughs> it's a big word. To your work. <laughs> yeah, I was like, am I going to be yeah. able to say this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it took me about a year to say the word. Um, the word anthroposophy in itself means anthro-human, and Sophie, Sophia, the divine feminine wisdom, and it's really just who are we as humans and who are we becoming? Um, it it is a, a approach to medicine that's practiced by. Um, providers who have done conventional medical training, um, like myself, um, but it expands the conventional sort of scientific view by incorporating an understanding of the laws of the living organism, kind of, you know, in a, in a more simpler way said, and um, Rudolf Steiner is the tenets that this was based upon, but it's not anything new. Steiner in his time at the turn of the century when um, the AMA came along and decided who was a healer and who wasn't, and got rid of what they call the snake oil people <laughs> and made the MD and the DO as the most legitimate um, medical he- healers at that time. And so out of that, we're trying to build ourselves back up. But Steiner in that time said, you know, we have to remember that 
um, medicine isn't just science-based, that there's spirit. We have to remember there's spirit moving through things. And, and that he really called to say that there's actually an approach to the spiritual that you can apply scientific um, investigation to and that you can, it is, it follows patterns and we can know it. So, um, you know, I studied many years and then there's many books and many things on it, so to say it in a few <laughs> moments doesn't give it credence, but um, yeah, just through anthroposophic medicine, I'm able to look, you know, at the development of the human being, their emotional and spiritual aspects are important to me. And um, instead of trying to define illness in a particular into particular categories and to standardize treatments for specific diseases, um, through this model of anthroposophy, we strive to recognize unique aspects of an individual person um, and then who they are in a constitution and their bio biographical path. Like, what did you come in here with, given, you know, you have your genetics, you have maybe even past lives, to say you're here present with tendencies in your health, given what you're here to do. And so we use that as kind of a, a window in. And my patients may not even need to know that I practice that, but that I'm looking at them through those lenses. But it's, it's um, you know, you know, I mean, I've been really fortunate um, to, you know, trained and been mentored by people in naturopathy and theosophic medicine and the indigenous teachings. So um, it's just uh, well, really it's a big part of work, it. it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it found me more than I found it because it took several years to announce that perhaps I do practice this medicine. I was very careful about that. So. <laughs> But it, yeah. it's really a global view of humanity and evolution of consciousness and evolution of who we are as humans. So it's just, and it's not owning as a religion or anything like that or a specific body. It's um, they often in my circle they always say it's an extension of what we know to be already. Right, it occurs mm -hmm. like a philosophy, um, or maybe not even a philosophy, but just a different perspective, like a way of looking at. Like you said, mm -hmm. looking at it, the whole person and, and the spirit that's running through us. Um, and I, and mm -hmm. you mentioned that the root of the word, um, anthro human and then Sophie is the divine feminine. And I know that you are really passionate about work with the divine feminine and women's wisdom. Can you, can you talk to, talk to us about that? Yeah, I can like talk your, about your that a little bit. Right, like right I said, passage. Mm -hmm. And um, in this sort of other and inclusive part of my life is having the opportunity to study with indigenous uh, medicine people and elders through several, at least 15 years, and um, spending time in um, ceremonies, vision quest camps, supporting uh, through the years I have... Uh, been able to go to um, like vision quest camps and be like the medical provider there, but also be asked to help spiritually. And so I've learned, and I've learned from the people and the medicine people also asking me to help treat them when they don't feel well. And that, that was a very vulnerable place <laughs> for me in the beginning because I'm like, well, you're a healer. Why, why do you need more help at certain points? But um, really taking humility and learning from that, but also seeing we all need help. And so, and the idea of the women's work um, is kind of personal to me where um, when I have had the opportunity to do Vision Quest myself and prepare, it became very clear that um, um, women's work was important for my path and where I would be supporting people in part. Um, particularly um, girls' rite of passage where mothers and daughters come together. Um, I was requested to do that for one of the local anthroposophic Walter schools, and in that I sought out my um, medicine elder, Sweet Medicine Nation, about how do I put that ceremony together in lieu of what I know through anthroposophy and um, development and, and what have you. So um, we we teamed together um it's about 13 years ago, and um, put uh, started putting um, creating these ceremonies, and um, 
So I get asked once or twice a year. And meanwhile, you know, when you go into that kind of work, you have to look at yourself or, your, or you need to at different points um, in order to um, help elevate what these new girls are coming to be and what we're facing in the world. So um, I've now, um, at some point, Street Medicine traveled, so she passed the baton, and, and, and as well as the Vision Quest camps that I've been in, um, often was in, put in charge of Moon Lodges there and also at Sundances. So I got to learn a lot past what my own femininity is, but what who we are as a group and a collective. And um, there, there, it is a beautiful phenomenon. It's an, um, and I know we talk about in our times, you know, even in the word anthroposophy is the the rising of the divine feminine, not in the sense of gender, but in the sense of what our humanity needs now to put a focus to, to bring back our humanity, perhaps, and have that balance of the male-female, where it has been so imbalanced. So um, I I do this, uh, the girls write a passage work, and also have been involved with a lot of the women's house of flowers or um, women's initiation work, and... Uh, uh, it's been very rich experience for me. Can you talk about how you you discovered the path of indigenous wisdom, like how you met sweet medicine, and I'm wanting to know more about your your path in that sense. I was brought up knowing about my Hawaiian heritage, but really because of the oppression and woundedness of my family and of the culture. I didn't get to really live into this until my adulthood. Um, but I see myself as a spirit seeker and um, feel my life unfolded to experiences where I had opportunities um, further to experience times with indigenous healers. Um, and when I lived near an Indian reservation up in northeast Washington. I spent a lot of time in nature, meditating with my environment. I was alone a lot. I had a small child, and I met people in that community too. Um, and then, um, then probably about 17 years ago, I moved back to Portland, and there was some moms getting together for a women's group. And in the moment, I thought, there's no way I have time for this. But again, I feel like I was sort of pulled on this wire, <laughs> this live golden thread. Um, and that's, I met Sweet Medicine. She was the person that we would talk with once a month. And she came and taught us things and showed us ways. And it was always a ceremony each month. And so she really role modeled to me what that looks like, how, um, and, gave us teachings and how, you know, your um, life is a ceremony and what is the altar of it. And so we learned how to make altars. And, um, I mean, that sounds simplistic in a sense, but um, she feels like she showed up in my life um, in the notion of that I was seeking time and she was one of those people. Um, as far as my Hawaiian heritage, um, it's, it seems very much alive in me, and uh, I've put a lot of effort into seeking it out. And so, um, to the years like the, you know, the Huna healings and what's known in it, it's very controversial. And so, I'm very careful to not call myself one thing or another. But um, I mean, I love all all things Hawaiian, and it feels to be just a really deep healing connection. And so that's also when I went to, when I was thinking of going on my own, which was really through dreams and stuff, had my medical practice. And in the, sort of the daytime, it didn't seem like a practical thing to do. It'd be starting something on my own and all that. But I had, you know, this episode where this word pahala came up, and I hadn't yet studied my Hawaiian language so deeply, but, it, you know, it really means... Um, you know, the Hawaiians have this layered way of, like, the word can mean many things. And so um, that's how I was inspired <laughs> in that way. And then it come to know, like, when I first met Sweet Medicine, there's, um, like, within the year, within less than a year, there was something like, oh, we're going to Hawaii. Does so-and-so want to come with us? And by the way, Sweet Medicine's going with, with my other with a friend I knew. And so... Right away, we rented a house, and I spent a good a good three weeks in Hawaii with her, and we just went around all the, a lot of old sacred sites because she grew up there, 
um, so everything just seemed to be like a natural unfolding. Like it was everything in place. And while we were there, I met this woman who, um, Miley Carpenter and Miley, who was very humble and just seemed like a park volunteer. But she, I come to find she has this lineage of Hawaiian um, teachings from like the 13th century. So I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's like ancient. And, um, yeah, and Amazing. so we can look back on these things and know that where we come from, you know, um, and it, and I don't think, I'm also really careful to say that, um, um, that, how do I say this, that I'm trying to be something I'm not, but I also feel that people in our times, we have to remember, like, what is the core, where do we come from, even if we weren't, I was born into Hawaiian blood, or if you weren't this or that, so, but that we're all people of the cosmos and of the planet, and who knows the past lives we've been in different, um, you know, clothing or, you know, garments of our skin. So, um, but I'm careful in our modern times not to step on any, and pretend to be something I'm not. So, but the, the, but that wisdom is universal. The indigenous, you know, the word indigenous is to know who you are at your core, right? Mm. And mm-hmm. and it's so imperative in our times that people, you know, meet that in themselves. And um, yeah, it's not I love easy that you named that. <laughs> I love, I love that because um, there is such a balance between this issue of cultural appropriation, which is really hot right now in, like, New Age circles. Um, mm-hmm. Like, blending mm-hmm. all of these traditions together from, you know, Taoism, from from Native American culture, from Eastern culture, like, bl- blending it all together um, versus keeping it intact as a, a tradition that we bring forward um, Mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. is is brought forward from ancient times rather than muddying it up with all kinds of other traditions mm-hmm. from all over the world. And balancing that sacredness um, and that respect and reverence for a culture with um, the idea that we are all indigenous and we all have past lives where we may have been from this tradition or that tradition and that could be why we're drawn to different things. Um, and in that respect, I think it's really important for us to dig up our past lives and and explore that and explore why we want to, why certain traditions are so important to us or so, um, like, sticky, like we feel so drawn to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to follow that if you do. And, and to be conscious, and um, you can get excited at first, and maybe step on your own toes or something. But um, it's it's important, yeah. And I think a new age has a place for sure. It's the new age we're going in the Aquarian, <laughs> um, absolutely. But not getting so far out of ourselves that we not are grounded and we're not thoughtful of maybe there's you know, a tradition now that is very careful about how they do things and we need to be thoughtful. So, um, uh, But I do think that there is such a common, there's universality, the common themes if you, you know, you didn't, we were, we're, everything's so close to us now in this information age, whereas, you know, 100 years ago, I didn't know what was happening in India or, or whatever, you know, we can know so immediately what these what these commonalities are, and um, I guess yeah, we all have the, our heart beats, and it's the same music, you know. <laughs> and so <laughs> you have the polarity of that, right? Of being really mindful of keeping things pure and what they were originally, but we're also evolving as a, a humans. And so um, you know, this whole idea of what of our genetics and the, what the pure races are going away, uh, there's probably a reason for that, right? <laughs> but but also to honor it, right? Because that's our history. Right. I love. I love this. It feels really <laughs> potent and really important. Like this is. It feels like a turning point to me. This time in history where 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, our races are blending, and um, it's almost occurs like we all came from Africa, and then we all split off and did our own thing in all different countries, and now we're all blending back together again in some way. Yeah, I agree. I, I think your insight is correct there, and that there's a gelling that, that's happening, and, you know, how do we, how are we to... You know, we live in a time where people are so disconnected and disengaged, and we check out with technology. But then there's just so much hunger and, and longing to be connected, and that we are, and in so many ways. So we have this polarity that <laughs> exists in us simultaneously, and we feel we feel the wars, we feel the violence, we feel the storms, and um, but also we get to have that joy of just seeing a smile on somebody else's face. It's another culture. It's the same smile we have. So um, I think through the indigenous wisdom and um, and um, being a part of creating reverence in your life from day to day to know that it's just not by accident, right? And so incorporating indigenous wisdom, like in my practice, it might be, like I just had a patient today who had, uh, faulty gallbladder surgery and went and then got a nosocomial hospital infection like C. diff and she's just like feeling totally worn over and then you know she, she, her house is a mess because she couldn't clean for two weeks because of attacks and she's just here and I'm like let's just take a moment and let's just energetically clear and go into the breath and and so I get out my white sage and it's just something simple as that where I can bring it into my practice and doesn't have to um, and it can be mostly all my patients, they don't think I'm strange for doing that. They're like, oh, my gosh, and they let down. And I don't think we do that enough in our regular medical model. So That's beautiful. Just one I example. <laughs> just one little example. Yeah. Um, as you were speaking about this yearning for purpose that that is so present in our culture right now, I, I found myself curi- curious if you... Um, see that at all as a pattern in in the people that you work with? The yearning is that what you mean? Of like yeah. who are our who are we and what our soul purpose is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean people so much want to know who they are, and um, there's so much anxiety and um, just exhaustion and um, psychic unrest. So um, yeah, we. I feel like I couldn't be in medicine and not address that. And our main model can't. You're seeing patients every five to ten minutes. You can only have one complaint, blah, blah, blah. And mind you, the people may be nice people, but there's really no way to, to meet a person. And people are just hungry. I mean, like I said, just just wanting this so badly. They don't need too much of it. It's not like you're going to say three hours and go over and over one topic but it's like just that to be seen and to be heard and go, yeah, you're having anxiety. There's, it's very valid. Look what's happening in your world and the world around you. Um, hey, let's, okay, let's get out of this flight or fight response and start to learn how do we be kind of like that's the eye of the storm because when we all can do that, we're all going to elevate this energy that is coming in at us. So... That, I think, is my vigil in this way. <laughs> um, want, maybe, um, for, I think it's the answer where we're going to be rather than, yeah, we can go on and on about how bad it is, but is that going to change it? We can get out and do things, that can change it. But what can we internally change any moment in our biochemistry as we sit each other? I perhaps maybe me and you on the phone right now because of the way energy goes, is our our physiology is lining up with each other. And so if we're learning more and more of us to do this, how would that affect out, you know, and like in the pond, the rock in the pond. So um, I maybe got off on a tangent there, but um, people are wanting... Yeah, I like where you're going, yeah, that people are wanting this, this purpose and they are wanting to be validated. And... um Someone's making a smoothie downstairs. <laughs> okay, I'm going to repeat that. So people are wanting to be validated and they're feeling anxious about what's going on in the world. 
um, around us. And I've heard you talk about before not wanting to call attention to what's all of the negativity that's happening in the world. Oh, my gosh. Can you hear the smoothie? I cannot. Okay, good. I'm just going to wait till this person is it's one of my roommates. Super yeah. annoying. Um, okay. Um, I've heard you speak before about not wanting to add to the negativity that's happening in the news and um, how that energetically can kind of pile on top of each other and make it worse than it is. And that's what's coming up for me as you're talking about this. Um, do you want to speak to that at all? I think we have a lot of that already. And so in the work that I do is, yes, I don't want people, I don't think, we're not living in a time where we're supposed to go to the mountains and be hermits. We're here and we're supposed to be in this. But how do we be with it is the question. So um, we're still going to get all that news. We're still going to know about something atrocious. Um, and though, like being the heroess or the hero, you know, the heroine out there, like what would they do different than that sort of warrior mindset? What would it really mean? And so, um, in that archetype of a picture, um, you, you know, focus on the bright spots, grow that. Let's grow that because hum- physically people are worn out. So whether or not I do integrative medicine or not, I can do the lab work. I can see and I do my physical exam. People are are frenetic and um, struggling. You know, that's a really resilient, you know, like how do you build that resiliency? And so that's where I'm saying um, not like we ignore or become um, unthoughtful of bad things or we don't get involved with protesting or whatever it is that we, we need to, like maybe get angry sometimes. We're also not supposed to shut it down, but run it runs its circuit and then you've got to, sort of ignite this other circuit, what we call the calming. <laughs> and then that's when we talk about the autonomic nervous system of the sympathetic response and the um, parasympathetic response. Um, the one is um, the sympathetic is the flight or fight response of being shocked and have to act and, and just survive. And then the other is the ability to calm and rest and relax and what have you. So our society and our world spends way much time in the other. And... Um, too much stimulation. So um, I, I was at a conference recently and um, one of the elders had said, like, why do we have, like, silent retreats in our time now? People people used to know how to put that in their day and now we're having to, like, sign up for that, you know? So, um, right. <laughs> but, um, you know, and the work I do, too, is, like, yeah, come in and get all your physical checked out. You're, you know, our food doesn't have the nutrition it did, but we we need not to get, we still need to eat what we have and try to grow and try to improve that. But because we don't, you know, let's check our vitamin levels and see how we can bring in, you know, the good fats or the bad fats, you know, not so much the bad, so that we have good, you know, neuroplasticity, <laughs> Um so on and so forth, and more a person can know who they are and like why their body has pain right here, right now, or or how, what's within the range. Um, can we talk to our patients so that we um, they can feel like they know what's go- um, happening to them, so they're not afraid and they can face and even say like a patient who has terminal cancer. There, we just don't stop seeing them. You know, we look at what's ha- what what is it in their biography. Um, what's the happy, you know, it's not like we're ignoring the, the darkness because, um, you know, that, you would ask, like, do I see myself as a light work, light bringer? I mean, I like to think my work is focused for the good and it imbues the light in lieu of the darkness around us. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I'm mm-hmm. hearing is that the, everything that's happening in the world around us and our inability to really relax. Um, I actually also just um, learned about um, the EMF, 
rays, uh-huh. which oh, yeah. also are not Incredible. great for us mm-hmm. at all. Um, but no. it makes it so that our bodies are always, like you said, in this fight or flight. Mm-hmm. On and the edge of that, perhaps. Especially if we don't feel good, right? And we don't know why we don't feel good. So, Right. And, yeah, and if, hold the phone up to your ear. And if you do that for too long or I start my computer, I get blurred vision by the end of my clinical day. And I'm like, nope, that's enough. I've got to get myself outside. I've got to do something different than this, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> looking at the body and the whole person, like this holistic way of um, integrative medicine really takes all of that into account and and mm-hmm. it should sounds like really supports <laughs> supports the, mm-hmm. the patient. Mm-hmm. Um so how did you know that you were meant to be a healer? Um I mean I like to believe that we all carry you know an innate capacity for healing that all of us and so um but for me I just see myself as always being curious about healing and and how it happens. And as a child, I felt really outside of many things and contemplative and reflective. Um, I I seemed to notice things in people they didn't know in themselves and kind of get caught on that at times and feel uncomfortable. But in my realm, um, as a child and in my biography, I was exposed to some pretty atrocious happenings. And... um, but it never could penetrate or touch me. Um, I, I would notice bad things happening around me, but not to me. Um, but I, I didn't have like a bell go off and announce that, Julie, you would be a healer. Or, um, But out of this and over time, I became even more curious and aware. And I just see myself as the seeker of the spirit, courting the spirit in one way and another. And I feel healing, you know, uh, like I said before, a bit. Like it shows me. Because it's not an easy task, and the work takes a strong conviction and, and a toll on one's life. And you can see the medicine elders, that anyone who's lived long enough, um, it, there is something that it takes a really strong person to be in that. And um, so, and I, I remember one of my teachers telling me that healing is a dangerous profession, and I thought, well, I don't know if I really want to do this, but it's like, you cannot not do it when you know that you have um, the gifts or the support that you can give someone. And so, and if we're not aware or we don't protect, uh, take you know the, the precautions to protect ourselves, um, and um, we we can take on the illness of others. So, I've I've felt steadfast in my endeavors that you know healing is essential for all of us in our lives. Depend on the capacity to evolve and heal, um, I I was thinking about where I was at, like, uh, in the past they would say, like, the physician or the medical um, provider was in charge of the physiological, the physical healing, and that the priest perhaps was in charge of the soul healing. But we're really living in times in the kind of work that I do that um, whether, you know, like an indigenous medicine person, they actually did both those things. So... And I, I don't know how any provider could tease those out because you're going to have someone who, yeah, my wife just died yesterday or I'm um, hit with this really bad problem or, you know what I mean, you can't separate and, and unless I, I can't and feel whole, separate out those things. So um, that... Uh, Healing happens, I can feel it with people, and it's always just a very subtle thing um, when you have worked with uh, and have these opportunities, which really are a privilege. Um, whether I've been in a ceremony um, where people are really meeting something about themselves and, and looking at them in the rest of their life and how that unfolds, as to, you know, just something very simple in the clinic where I have a conversation with someone. So, um mm-hmm. You had mentioned earlier um, when we were talking about how it took you a while to really own the anthroposophic part of your work and um, Mm -hmm. this, how you're integrating this indigenous wisdom into this traditional 
medical model. Can you talk about how, what that was like for you? Um, I think, you know, coming into the world and, and like being born in a child and exposed and, you know, seeing the reading between the lines of this and energy between, but then also going to a very formal nursing and medical training and being kind of indoctrinated with that and a more specific discernment and I don't want to say suspicion of anything that isn't as completely identifiable by science. You know, even just that I'm a nurse, we're supposed to, you know, healing and caring and compassion is part of what we're indoctrinated in, but so much has become rigid. So it made, I don't know if it made me more hesitant, but um, I don't, I think there's some shocks that I that I took on in my early life with things that I, like I said, I was exposed to that um, maybe I wasn't so sure or don't want to make that announcement because of the dark energies that I can see that come around. So I want to not... Um, put myself in harm's way <laughs> um, with spirit world mm. um, and uh, from what I've just I guess intuitively felt or also seen um, but uh, it's all evolving you know you hear the stories of people like I didn't have the the um, opportunity or born, like, say, into a, tr- a traditional tribe right now, or I didn't get to know who my, who the medicine people were in my Hawaiian lineage that I know about, and and so it just, it came in a more, what I call, modern day way, where, and, and that's the thing about anthroposophy, is why I, is it's really about individual, having the thought, a notion that you are know, a freedom of choice, so in the original times, you were of the tribe. You were of, like, the group think, right? And now, and even being American, is we're individuals, and we have the freedom to think our own thought. And if we think something outside um, of that, that wouldn't be, that would go against the tribe, per se. But in nowadays, so to find our own spiritual connection is really important in our times, but that know that we're also part of the tribe, but we don't look to the tribe only. That we check, we have checks and balances to know, you know, where all that is. And I I know that's kind of muddled in the way that I'm presenting that, but that's the difference why I like to blend the two in my life because I know I am um, what is in the modern times and how we're supposed to evolve we have to have our own discernment about why we do things, not just because the tribe does it, for instance. <laughs> right. It sounds like checking in mm-hmm. with the inner wisdom and what's coming through mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. own bodies, mm-hmm. our own experience. Yeah. Um, there's more more to maybe articulate. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I I don't mean to sound like just not owning it, but uh, you know, when you also talk about, you know, are we wisdom keepers? And and I see a certain kind of person that way, but um, I haven't totally. Or um, I think the knowledge is there for everyone, so I don't see that I am the one or like I'm carrying this different, uh, but I'm carrying it the way Julie was born to do and I'm going to try to do my part and I don't think it's a time for wisdom to be kept because the, the those people if you talk about you know these leader you know when a person dies even just what we consider a common person like this knowledge goes away and to me I think now it's not to be kept wisdom is to be kept it should be shared mm-hmm. but um, um, and that when we all carry it in our genetic code and, and what it means to incarnate on this planet in this time and really live into our soul purpose. So I don't, again, really think of myself as anyone special, but um, more than anyone else is, but only I have been aware that each of us are, as we are born, it's essential we know our place and what we we are to live into. And so um, 
I just keep saying, evolve as humanity, because <laughs> our life's depending on the sort of the, the cosmos to be that way. And, I don't, and the, the planet Earth has its own evolution and its own way of being born into the, the solar systems. And it's going through its aches and pains in the same ways that we are. So um, that's, that's my um, research and study and just a sense of knowing. Yeah, I love that this part of our conversation sort of brings us back to the beginning of when we were speaking about coming back together and and not being so separated by our tribe or our race. Like we're all intermixing now. And and another piece of that evolution that's happening um, right now is the transition to not being wisdom keepers, like you said. And it's not it's not something to be kept at this point. It's something to be shared and and carried forward. Maybe the more appropriate term is wisdom carrier, something like that. Mm, yeah, like you know, you carry a bundle. In, right. Um, in those ways, they talk about carrying the bundle, and that we are the bundle too. We are our own bundle. In anthroposophy, it talks about there's ways to develop intuitive organ or sensory organ, in which I think the original peoples had that. There is some conversation that in um, pre-epic, pre-epics of time, like Lemuria or, or um, Atlantis and stuff, people were more into, they could not even have to say it out loud, there was clairvoyant and stuff, and then that was taken away. And uh, sort of the bridge of that, I think, what left over are the indigenous people who are the, what we know as the seers or psychics or whatever. Um, but it isn't, We ha- uh, Steiner would say, we'd have to be careful about where that knowledge is coming, where is that per- sense perception coming from, and that there's actually a way to strengthen it like its own kind of organ, to know that you're, you know... Maybe Tata Eric might say something like, uh, you know, so the light keepers or the those darkies, you know. <laughs> I don't know what he called those. <laughs> darkies. Um, I don't understand. That is, sorry, that's, sorry, that's not the way to say it. But um, uh, <laughs> those forces of the, 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 the darker, the dark forces. So people, I guess the new age gets kind of judged into that. It's like, where are people getting their information from? Is it just fanciful? Is it... Is it um, a spirit from, you know, another level of consciousness that's kind of messing with the person and they don't have their ego or their soul intact and grounded, like, to know the difference? You know, you hear a lot of people, um, um, you, I mean, I guess mainstream would call it the quacks or the, the ones carrying the snake oil we ha- or charlatans. I think those people are out there and, like, the um, Hawaiians would say black magic or the... the um, you know, the, the the kahunas that are doing dark. So that's always going to be there. And so I, I'm just, people maybe not just sit on the couch, but step into what is it for them and how do they discern the two, the differences. Uh, yeah, I like, I like mul- this. Multiple realities, yeah. <laughs> I like this point you're making about, like, being, it sounds to me like being discerning about who your teacher is and what traditions you're studying. And what came up for me while you were speaking about that is the term spiritual bypassing. Living in Boulder, it <laughs> seems like I encounter this a lot with the the New Age culture. And I don't think that people are, some are, but I don't think people are maliciously the snake oil people or black magic people. It's more like ignorance not integrating the shadow with the light. Yeah, I think, yeah, it can be, like, naive, like your toddler picks up something that shouldn't if it hasn't been trained, you know. Um, but Yeah, and I think there are a lot of uninitiated children who are adults, like children in adult bodies who haven't been initiated, um, and that mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. also part of it. And how... Um, but in the effort, who were they in their past incarnations and how they come to the place that they are? And, and so that's, that's that idea of free will and... Um, and what um, does our soul you know, have to learn? 
Yeah, because as soon as we get in that judgment of who has and who doesn't and just doing it right or not, there, yeah, we can't, we have to do that to a certain extent. We can't be rigid in it. And so, um, but kind of just keep, you know, the energy flowing <laughs> there, the waves moving, because um, then we don't want to have a despite, divisiveness of um, we, they, too. So, but, exactly. yeah, um I mean, you can feel it. You, there's a time and place, like for a static dance and, or something like that, and then you have to ground yourself. You, know, you don't get to stay out there. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, because, yeah, you can only breathe that way for so long, for instance. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but you can also just lay dormant, too. So um, it's that moving in and out. With these uh, with these topics, you know. Absolutely, I really appreciate you coming on to talk with us today. Thank you so much. And is there anything else you want to share in close in closing? I'm just really grateful that you're asking that you're um, reviewing these kinds of questions and bringing mindfulness to it and. Um, just the discussions that you're bringing forth, Carrie. So, um, yeah, I, I'm being who I am, and you are too, and and um, just hoping to keep that connection going, right, of all of us who care about these things in this way. So thank you for having me. Thanks for taking in this episode, and I hope it inspires you. I'll put any relevant links in the show notes on therisecollective.org, where you can also find past episodes, my weekly blog, and any products for sale. That's therisecollective.org. While you're there, download the free guide to feminine goal setting and learn to work in harmony with folk magic and the rhythms of the earth. Hundreds of women have used this method to weave magic into their lives, and it's a simple guide that will help you move forward in your soul's purpose. If you love the show, please consider supporting its production at patreon.com slash risecollective. It's so worth your while. I'm providing guided meditations, bonus interviews, bonus podcasts, and resource guides. I'm doing a new moon spell every month to help you move forward toward your magic and goals. And you can do all of this, receive all of this at $3 a month. Thank you. And please subscribe in whatever app you listen to for podcasts. We're available in all of them. I so appreciate you leaving a review so that the show can reach more people. Thanks again for listening. And I'll look forward to next time.